Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Discover Stories on Reimagine Radio. My name is Bryden Vino. I'm a program assistant with the Vancouver Adapted Music Society, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Before we get started, I'd like to let our listeners know the idea behind Discover Stories. The series will be a place for unique life stories from persons with disabilities. Through telling their stories, insights, and advice for those challenging times this community often faces, we can learn that there are ways to make the best out of any situation. Today joining me will be Eric Molendijk, the National Coordinator for Tetris Society of North America. Hope you enjoy today's episode and let's get into it. Hello, Eric. Hello, Brighton. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining me. So for our listeners who may not know, could you start by telling us a bit about Tetra and your position? Yeah, so Tetra is the Disability Foundation's, uh, it's a national program, our our largest program. And really, um, our full title is Tetra Society of North America, and what we do is customize devices. Uh, the majority of our chapters, now what a chapter is, is where we have a coordinator, somebody who helps um, connect people with um, disabilities to a, a Tetra volunteer. Now a Tetra volunteer is giving of their time and they are making customized devices based on a person's need. So what happens is every device that a Tetra volunteer creates is client driven. So somebody will say, hey, I want to play the guitar. Um, Somebody might love music, and let's say they're recovering from a stroke, and they don't have the same physical ability. So our Tetra volunteers might work to design an easier way, uh, um, maybe a handle that holds a guitar pick. So uh, if a person doesn't have the dexterity anymore to hold a standard guitar pick, but they could hold something else and then strum. So what we really try to do with Tetra is figure out what works for the person. Uh, We want them to feel good about their device. Uh, We want the device to be safe, functional, and also aesthetically pleasing. Because if you feel good about what you're using, then that's the more you're going to use it. Um, So in my role, I really just try to facilitate the great work that's being done with our technically skilled volunteers and our outreach volunteers and and we have uh, what we call a Tetra network, where we have um, a coordinator that oversees each region of the province. So our head office is located in Vancouver, so I also serve as the, the regional coordinator for BC. And I have the um, privilege of coordinating our Vancouver chapter, so I get to see in real time what the volunteers are creating and making. And then we have coordinators um, in the prairies, Nicole Yamchek, we have Sylvia Balico that covers central Canada, Toronto, and Quebec, and we have Andrew Jansen that covers um, the Atlantic provinces. So they're overseeing those regions, but then we have coordinators as well that work in the individual cities. So much like everything that happens within the Disability Foundation, it's a true uh, team effort. Wow, that's just so incredible, just the variety and Um, possibilities of all the different assisted devices. It's very interesting. So now that we know a bit about you and Tetra, uh, let's go back to the beginning. Um, Where are you from and like what were some of the challenges maybe you faced growing up? Uh, So I actually was born in Vancouver, but I spent the first um, five years of my life 
in Gibson. So the only reason why I was born in Vancouver is because I was born premature and they had to go to a bigger hospital just to make sure that everything turned out all right. So, uh, and then but I spent the majority of my life, I basically grew up from the age of uh, five. I started kindergarten through to my first year of college. So five to 18, I lived in Prince George. Hmm. So a uh, city in BC, uh, kind of in the middle of the province. It's a logging town. And uh, when I was living there, it averaged around 70,000 people. Right. Uh, we moved there because my father was an RCMP officer and he got transferred. And my goal was always to get to Vancouver. I was always going to Vancouver to see doctors. And very early on, I figured out, well, I don't like the cold. doesn't necessarily work well with my body. I have cerebral palsy. And wheelchairs and snow don't mix, as any mobility aid user will tell you. It doesn't have to be a wheelchair. It could be a walker or even if you walk with a cane. So I had a very supportive family and friends, and they would help me get around. But if I wanted to be independent, Vancouver's where I always wanted to live because I knew um, I would need to take the bus. There's better busing, blah, blah, blah. So I, um, I moved down here when I was 19 to go to BCIT and I got my diploma in radio broadcasting communications and have stayed down here ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. How about, uh, your friends growing up? How did you and them kind of adapt to your disability to be able to, you know, live a normal childhood? Well, kids are great because they adapt to things in real time and and you know kids are also excited about things that they don't have or don't experience so my wheelchair was always a, a drawing card and i would have you know a racing wheelchair so we do wheelchair races or they'd want to try wheelchair basketball or um you know and i think what really helped is i was in their classes and participating the way they were and i I was fortunate to always be able to verbally communicate, so that helped. And then right around the time I was growing up, computers were coming out. So, you know, you didn't need to be exceptionally mobile to work a joystick and play a video game. So there was all those kind of things that I could happen to connect to. And, you know, my friends were aware that, hey, Eric can't, you know, run up and down stairs, but their, you know, their parents would, most of my friends were, their parents were friends of my parents, so they were comfortable with their family or they would be fine helping me with whatever I needed. But, I mean, kids are pretty welcoming and uh, pretty adaptable. And it's like anybody who's a friend, you know, if you, um, usually you're friends because you have common interests. So I was just, yeah, I, w I would say everything just kind of happened organically and, mm -hmm. and definitely my, my uh, family was supportive growing up. For sure, yeah. So um, you mentioned that you went to BCIT eventually. So uh, for radio specifically, um, what got you into doing radio? What was your interest kind of, it must have happened growing up at some point. Yeah, I was always into sports. Always, always was. Uh, my father was athletic. He played on a fastball team. He played hockey. My cousins all played. You know, I was typical Canadian kid, so I liked pretty well every sport that there was, and I played wheelchair sports, and because of my physical ability, I wasn't going to be a Paralympic, Paralympian or anything, so I, but 
you know, I had um, growing up, I would do different presentations. I was always comfortable speaking. Um, I was president of our Toastmasters Club. I wrote for the school paper, um, took a number of years of drama. And I honestly, my dream was actually to be a coach uh, myself because I thought that was as close as you could be to um, the game itself. But, you know, the realistic it wasn't realistic to think that I was going to make the professional ranks. So everybody said, well, why don't you try broadcasting? And I really chose that because I thought I could get into sports medium. Um, it was a job that I could do, you know, if I was behind a microphone, I was sitting still and, uh, and I thought it would work well with my disability. And I thought there was a better chance of getting paid being a radio broadcaster than trying for a professional coach. So, it was really out of necessity of my goals, which everybody has the same goals, right? Uh, food, clothing, shelter, independence, and living town here. So I went to to BCIT, and um, yeah, I graduated from from that, and it, it was an excellent experience. And things that I learned there have served me well in my job. Certainly, today. yeah, you're definitely able to bring us through a cool story so far. Um, so obviously you're not a coach or a sports broadcaster currently. Um, so what was that bridge? How did you find out about the Disability Foundation? Um, it must have been through BCIT or some form, hey? Yeah, well, what happened is, so I did some freelance writing. I, I wrote some commercials and I was, you know, I was looking for full-time work. So radio was, uh, it's like an entertainment medium. So one of the things that I, was going to choose was to be a copywriter so that's for commercials i have written commercials different things and have this like commercial portfolio but uh the, you know the jobs when you start out in radio they say never it's like there's actual synergy between radio and nonprofits. never do it because of the money you can make money in radio but you have to that's like the upper echelon a lot of it starting out, and the reason why I got into BCIT is because I volunteered at our local station in Prince George, and it was for little money. And so I did some freelance work and got told that, you know, if um, there was a job available, they would have hired me and different things. But it didn't lend. I was in between writing contracts at the time and trying to figure out, you know, how can I, because I didn't want to leave Vancouver. Because um, that was another thing. It was like, well, if you start radio and you're just above minimum wage and you start out in like Fort Nelson or something, what kind of quality of life are you going to have? So, not I was we love everyone from Fort Nelson, by the way. We, uh, we <laughs> yeah, right. we do. Yeah, it's just so there's too much. Yeah, <laughs> it's it was just a lot of snow and small town. And again, I and the reason why I say that is because. I can't drive because of my disability, right? So when I say what kind of life would I have, I need to take public transit. And of course, public transit isn't as accessible, except, you know, as available or as accessible in smaller towns. So I wanted to stay in Vancouver and I basically really needed a job. And I went to an employment counselor mm -hmm. and um, he told me about this job posting. He said it's contracted uh, for 10 months. This was in the summer of 2001. Um, and he said, you know, nothing's guaranteed. He said, we can continue on your path for a full-time job. But And I was like, well, 
I'll take whatever. I'll get my foot in the door and see what happens. And I remember I was hired on a, it was called a youth transition grant. So it was for people 25 and under people with disabilities. A lot of what the foundation does today, providing employment opportunities and see what happens. And so I was hired basically to be people's assistant. Uh, I was the assistant at the time. She was the uh, coordinator of the chapters in BC. So I was to help with outreach and various administrative tasks. And basically my 10 month came, came to an end and they said, would you like to stay on? And then it was like, could you help out a little bit with Connectra? So for a while I was David Ostra's assistant. Oh yeah. And then I got asked if I would help recruit volunteers for our other societies and got involved there. And, and uh, one thing led to another. And then I was, and then I ended up being the coordinator for BC um, in, in Tetra and volunteer coordinating. And then when our longtime coordinator, Pat Tweedis, her name retired, um, I got offered to be the national coordinator. So within the foundation, is, which is true of um, other people's stories as well, I kind of did different jobs, got involved and worked, worked my way to this point. But yeah, that's how the, the story came to be. It was definitely, it was definitely unexpected having a disability. I wasn't planning to, you know, I thought I wanted to branch out and have my career be something different. And I wasn't planning originally to have a job that was so um, disability related, but I definitely was so um, impressed by the foundation and Sam's vision and the volunteers and how much they give and, uh, you know, all of our programs, Disabled Sailing, Music, um, BC, BC Moss at the time, that uh, it was pretty awesome to be a part of that, and it mm -hmm. enabled me to accomplish my goal to have a full-time job. So 20 yeah. years this year. That's what I was just about to say. It's yeah. been 20 years and a lot of different milestones and a lot of good, but also um, not so good moments that have happened over the past 20 years. Um, there's a story that I'd like you to take us through, um, the story of Tetra Lights and Tetra Gear, um, how that came to be, uh, the story behind it, and what it's done for people. Um, well, so Tetra Gear, um, yeah, that was, that was, I was, so this was 2008, and I was coming, I was heading to work uh, that morning, and I was wearing a raincoat that had reflective strips. Uh, again, my dad, being a retired police officer, he was always into being seen and road safety. And uh, I did something that I had done a thousand times before. I remember hitting the button to cross. And it was literally just a simple straight crossing, like from point A to point B, pretty short. Mm -hmm. But uh, I remember hitting the button and there being 23 seconds and then the next thing I know I remember I remember like I'm on the ground and I came to briefly and there was, there was like rain on my face and then I just remember I don't remember faces but I remember voices like he's hurt he's bleeding and then I blacked out and then I woke up in the ambulance and I literally woke up right around the time they were like they were saying we might have to cut his jacket off and I instinctively just said, don't cut my jacket off. And then they said, okay, man, like, just relax. And I ended up at Royal Columbian because I had been hit in a crosswalk. And I 
my chair got knocked over and I uh, came out of my chair and uh, yeah, I was on the ground mm -hmm. and it could have been a lot worse. Luckily, she, uh, the person that hit me, um, and I know it's a she because she actually introduced herself to me months later. Good, good. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was lucky. I didn't break any bones. I did swell up my ankle and stuff, but I was able to recover. But out of that, the volunteer said, why don't we, how can we fix this? How can we do this? So this was late November. Actually, the night before, uh, we were celebrating the opening of the new VAM studio at GF Strong. So we had, an, we had an event at GF Strong, and I was there working as a greeter. And then the next morning, I got hit by the car, and, uh, mm -hmm. and our Tetra volunteers, because around this time, people were putting up Christmas decorations, holiday decorations. And, and one of the volunteers said, well, if you can get twinkling lights for your house, surely we can get it on wheelchairs. So, so many people worked on this. The initial concept was by Brian Johnson. And then, um, you know, it went through many people. There's so many hours. I don't want to miss anybody out. But, um, you know, one of our volunteers, we were lucky. Um, he wasn't working full time at the time. And he really believed in this. And he put countless hours into the design. And other people did. So the Tetra lights run on a rechargeable battery. It's on this side of a wheelchair and we're selling them online on tetrayear.com and i'm happy to say when i go out i turn the lights on so i don't know if you can see here i've actually been using them so i have to i have to charge them up mm -hmm. um i my battery is pretty low because i've been been using them when i go to get groceries but you can see it's an aerial and if you don't like in the aerial i think the best way to see it because i know sometimes it doesn't show up great on screen is go to tetragear.com and we do have the side strips as well and it can go on bicycles strollers like if you're not into the aerial we have different versions that work for you and those are still being sold so um yeah getting hit by the car wasn't fun but i was extremely thankful to not be hurt uh hurt worse and out of that i will always remember um the effort that got put in to make the lights and actually in my living room because for a while we were manufacturing them and we had this little uh, little uh, place on commercial that it was being done so we had a, s a sign on the side of the building said tetra gear and when our lease was up for the manufacturing of the parts um, i took that kind of sign or that banner so it hangs up in my living room actually so when you that's walk awesome. in it says tetra gear on it so that's so fantastic yeah that's just such an inspiring story, you know, just the consequences being what they could have been um, getting hit by a car. It's, it's just so great that, you know, you're okay and such a great cause came out of it. Um, so yeah, uh, moving on, I kind of want to ask, is there any uh, devices or any projects that Tetra has done for a client that really have stood out to you, have, you know, maybe touched you in a personal way? Well, I'm just always uh, intrigued by, you know, what they come up with. And I can tell, you know, for someone who's considering um, sending in a Tetra request, our volunteers have a lot of pride and there's lots of joy uh, that they get out of solving uh, problems. Um, one of our volunteers right now is working on an indoor treadmill. 
Uh, we have a client that wanted to exercise. And of course, in the pandemic, you can't do that. So, but he's able to get his manual chair on these rollers and simulate um, wheeling in the same spot and you get an exercise and then he doesn't have to wheel around his apartment. I've seen the volunteers come up with, there was a creation and we have a video of it. It's called the transformer bike. So um, this lady, she uses a manual wheelchair and she also has one of those hand crank um, bicycles. And so she wanted to carry her, her wheelchair with her. So our volunteer figured out a way that the back wheels of her manual chair could, the, could serve as the wheels of the bicycle. And so she's on this bike, hand crank, and then she's carrying her wheelchair with her. Um, so she's able to carry her manual chair and do, do biking. Um, so that was, that was uh, a great, such a unique device. And another thing I should mention over the years, which has been really exciting, is we are seeing a lot more requests. I would say about one every three months that has to do with parenting with a disability and, and parenting your child. And um, Tetra has done some great um, modifications to um, allow parents to carry their children or modified cribs. And so what we do with the crib is the crib stays the same, like the bars are the same width apart, everything is safe, it's structurally sound, but our volunteers will create a frame that raises the crib up to somebody's sitting level, and then the standard crib, you're reaching up over the bars. Well, what's done is they've converted the bars of the crib so they open accordion style, and then so you can be face-to-face -face and reach in, and all of these types of things are available to be seen um, on our Tetra database, which can be found at www.tetrasociety.org. So, so those are some of the things that I've noticed over the years. And then, of course, more access is needed than ever to computers and cell phones. So mm -hmm. those, those are some of the things that stick out. That's, yeah, amazing. The, the possibilities, it's just, just, they seem endless. You know, you get such a variety of requests. I can imagine some would almost shock you sometimes you think you know I didn't even think about that but you know that's pretty amazing yeah well my favorite thing to say is I'm not an engineer right <laughs> so I I look at you know I see the challenge and I I try to figure out you know what if I was having this challenge how how would I solve it what the volunteers come up with are amazing it's amazing mm -hmm. yeah so yeah thank you so much for all of this um so after, you know, 20 years with the Disability Foundation, coming from smaller beginnings up in Prince George um, and living quite an interesting life um, and dealing it all with a disability. Um, so having accomplished so much, even with the barriers you faced, uh, what advice would you have for people with disabilities and also advice for people who are able-bodied? Yeah, I, that's, I would say any device that I have would would go for people in general is just um, my number one advice would be find a career or find something that you're passionate about. Um, because if you like what you're doing, that makes up for a lot of things. And if you feel connected as a person to what you're doing, then that'll, that'll help you um, overcome challenges. Um, 
you know, everybody's situation is different, but I would just say, find out what you like to do and, and try and find, think about who could be a support system, who, who could be that person to get your foot in the door. Um, and I also did want to mention just the power of volunteering. Um, if you're interested in um, a program, a society, learn more about it. You could start as a volunteer. Um, one of our longtime colleagues who's been working as long as I have, David Ostro, he started as a volunteer. So you never know uh, where things could lead. Again, I didn't, um, it doesn't, sometimes I have to remind myself it has been 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing I just wanted to say, um, you know, Tetra is still very active and great things are happening during this time of COVID-19. Um, so that's another thing is that, you know, we've we've seen now what can be done online and communicating, doing videos like this. And if anybody is wondering, you know, are devices still being built? Um, they are. Um, and, and we're doing online meetings. We're arranging meetings where people can still social distance. But uh, I just had a great volunteer meeting last night, and they were talking about their their successes. So in this time of COVID-19, great things are still happening, and just um, maybe the foundation can, in one of our programs, help you with something that you want to do. Wow. Well, thank you so much for everything. It's been a pleasure to finally have you back on radio again. I hope you enjoyed your time back on radio. Well, I will, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see how it all sounds, right? Like, you know, the one thing I liked about radio is if you were on there, then you didn't have to look at yourself. <laughs> of course, that, yeah. That's the old adage, do you want to, do you want to, uh, have to hear yourself but again i i just offered to do this because i i believe in the, the reimagine radio uh, programming and i'm excited to hear other people's stories for sure thank you for listening to discover stories episode one tune in next week for more